Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our fields. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Listeners, we have a real treat in store for you today. I'm interviewing Marjorie Adam, and Marjorie has so much energy and a positive, upbeat perspective about where this market is going, especially as it looks at real estate commissions. She is a realtor, and we're going to be talking more on a series that we're doing a lot of focus on what is happening with the buy side sales representation and the transaction. Marjorie, so good to have you here. I enjoyed our conversation last week so much, and I look so much forward to recording this with you today. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I get to podcast because of you and your relationship with Alcova. So you got me started. You're like my podcast Yoda. So it feels like <laughs> I have graduated and I get to talk to you today. That's an honor. And that I forgot, I should have mentioned that how we connected was through my client, your client, Alcova Mortgage. And you have a relationship with them as a realtor. And I think that makes it a little extra special. And you're doing a very good podcast. So let's start off. How can people learn more about your podcast? Let's get that out right away and we'll cover well, it again at the end. Thank you. So Real Estate Unscripted, we decided to do a to podcast that would benefit both realtors and lenders. We have such a symbiotic relationship, right? Our success relies on each other. And so being able to have a podcast that Lenders, realtors, my clients listen to it. My husband, huge fan. So really it's not just for that, but it's a great resource for lenders and realtors that are working through this market and have decided, hey, I'm not going anywhere, right? I'm going to make it through and I got work to do. Yeah, that's good. Talk about a timely podcast, bringing the two together in what we're going to be talking about today. And the catalyst for this initial call was you and I are speaking together at Alcova's Sales Summit coming up here in October. And I said, let's get together and talk. And then I started talking and I go, oh my gosh, you are so articulate on all that's going on related to the real estate commissions. And I said, we've got to record and share it with our audience. So audience, you're in for a treat today. So Marjorie, let's get your perspective on this. You and I share a glass half full perspective. We do not ignore the facts. The facts are Things are changing. I read a book over the weekend, Necessary Endings. Some endings come as a result of internal circumstances, things that need to happen about us. We choose to stay like overeating, stop smoking, tuned up, doing all the things that are not good for you. Those are internal things that we choose to do on our own. Now, sometimes there's external circumstances that come on that create an ending. And in a way, we're seeing an ending of a way things have been done since 1908 in the way real estate commissions are paid. For those that are not familiar, with it. You need to get up to speed on this right away. And so Margie, why don't you put your synopsis on where we're at, where we were and where we're going. So interesting because I think that it's very interesting to me where we are now because of how we're getting there. So for years and years, you had realtors representing and years ago, it came about that buyers said, wait a minute, I don't have my own representation. What do you mean everyone represents the seller? It was either a listing agency or sub agency and there was no buyer agency. And so years ago, they said, wait a minute, we need one our own representation as they do. And so buyer's agency came about. And now this is a statewide thing. So as we're talking about all of this, I think it's very important. That this is a state issue. It's federal, but a state issue. So hey. it's going to matter because how we do it in our state and do we like, for, we allow dual agency, but Nest does not do it. That's my company. So understand this is a, still a bit individualized but we're going to talk broader. So okay. no buyer agency. Now there's buyer agency. So the irony to me in all of these suits and these cases, which are being settled right now, which is important, 
is the thought behind these, right? Or the reason this has happened is that the seller was forced, quote unquote, to pay buyer's agents, right? This was forced compensation. And so that's antitrust. And then all of these groups got together with a bunch of attorneys. We won't even go there. It is what it is. But so now we're seeing settlements, right? And we're seeing a change in the way that buyer's agents will be compensated. But a lot of it is the structure, right? The structure of commissions and the requirement, quote unquote, for the buyer agent pay. I want to go in there because you said something. There is a significant point there that they are settling. That means that when you settle before you go to court, you're mitigating your damages. In other words, we're not going to win this. So let's go to settlement. Give a little update on that, if you could, Marjorie, because that's significant. There's just been one after another that are settling out. So yes. So for those that don't know, a lot of different companies or entities, we'll call it, have been sued, right? Mm -hmm. So NAR, National Association of Realtors, there was Keller Williams, there was Remax, and there were different MLSs, so multiple list services that were all sued. And so the first settlement was called PIN. So PIN is an MLS system that settled, and they really settled more on a restructuring. We're going to restructure how we require or we list buyer agency commission. The big settlements so far have been Anywhere was another group that was settled. They settled for $83.5 million. Whoa, that's a huge settlement. 83.5. The irony is much of that goes to the attorneys. So here's the thing. If you really think about this, it was a group, right? So this became a class action suit. It started with a few people saying, hey, I feel that this was unjust. And then people got together. And then obviously it becomes a class action suit when enough people get together. So you also have a lot of attorneys. If you think about this, in this case... Ironically, it's to justify the wronged clients, right? The attorneys <laughs> are making millions. And if you break down the number of plaintiffs, each plaintiff is getting about $160. Oh my yeah. gosh. If you do the math. Yeah. So really, here's the thing. What's the important thing? So anywhere settled, Remax just settled for $55 million. And what the status of that now is Remax as a company is stating sellers do not have to pay buyer agency compensation. Now, it doesn't say they can't. It seems right. they don't have to, right? So here's what's interesting. We still have Keller Williams and certain other MLSs that are out there. And everyone's saying, though, okay, if they're settling, it means they're admitting wrong. No, they're mitigating damages. And I think that's, yeah, that's exactly I think the most important point. The train is, is running down the tracks and they're saying, whoa, we're going to agree that we need to adjust. And so there's Stefan Swanenpol, and I always say his name wrong, but he is a real estate massive guru. And he sent a letter out to basically MLS as an NAR and said, look, we need to proactively adjust how we do things. And proactively adjusting is it used to be so many MLS for those that are listening, multiple list system. That's where the magic happens. When I list a house, it goes into MLS feeds out to all the portals like Realtor and Zillow, how buyers find it. It mm -hmm. used to be a requirement generally on a state level, right? Or an MLS right. level that compensation to buyer's agent was required. If you wanted to put your one, so if it was your house, Dave, you wanted yep. to put one, two, three Main Street in, I as an agent and you as a seller were required to compensate the buyer's agent. It's listed in MLS. So that's going to go away and is going away. And it's going to be, you may pay a buyer's agent. That's the big strategic shift, right? That's really what we're going to see. And then of course the snowball becomes what happens next. So that's the background. So we're waiting for more settlements, but federally they can say, okay, this is how it has to work. But then realistically it goes down to state legislature and MLSs. So we could still have each state having their own rules. We've always had each state has its own rules. So it's going to be determining 
for how you operate in the states you're lending in, listeners, and what should be your strategy. And that's where I want to go. So you've really framed up real well what's happening and bringing us forward. There are a surprising number of settlements. It's surprising not to those of us who've been looking at this, because especially when you look at the, you sent me the slide deck that the National Association of Realtors put out. And as you go through that, I'm going, oh my gosh, this is the weakest argument I have ever seen in my life. I do legal expert witness work. I see these things and I go, they're going to lose. This is just a foregone conclusion. When I saw it, that's when I drew the conclusion, we need to recognize what's happening and then look at where are the opportunities in this disruption. So I'm going to give you my perspective as a yes. realtor that's practiced for 28 years. So when I heard about this at first, I thought, I don't understand this. And let me explain why. Maybe it's naivete. Maybe it's just the way I practice my business. But if you are my seller client, right? So I'm selling your home. When I meet with you, you're going to sign a listing agreement. That's a requirement. So that's not right. going away. In that listing agreement, frankly, other than the dates, right? The commission is the most important thing. That's always been negotiable. Now I can say to you, locally, the practice is typically 6% is paid, right? That's what we tend right. to see. However, these are blanks. And you can pay it now, if if I would accept that listing, I wouldn't, you could say, I'm going to pay you $4 and 50 cents and I'll give a dollar to the buyer's agent. And I'm going to say best of luck to you, but you've always had the choice, frankly, of what you chose to pay. You could also have chosen to be a for sale by owner. Mm -hmm. And now I think the way that the case works is they said, no, if I want to be an MLS, I was required to pay compensation. Yes, but it was not 3%, right? It was always right. negotiable. Right. Okay. Right. So that's step one. So to me, it was no surprise to a seller. You don't just show up at closing and go, what do you mean I'm paying realtors? That was <laughs> step one. Now you're my buyer, right? So here's the next thing. And again, maybe this is naivete, but you and I are meeting. So part of our, which clearly was not everyone's case was David, this is, I'm going to be representing you. This is how I get paid. Traditionally, typically I get paid by the seller through the MLS. However, we need to have a conversation if you buy it for sale by owner or there's no compensation offered, how I'm going to be compensated. There's a buyer agency agreement, compensation is in it, the buyer signs it. So when you really look at that, if that were the practice everywhere, to me, there would have been no basis for being right. forced to pay. Exactly right. But that wasn't the practice. The practice was there's a listing agent and that's all rolled in and that's going away. Yeah. So the interesting thing to me is here's the thing I think no one's thinking of the way I look at it is quite frankly, this is a disservice to the buyers. So interesting, right. all the ones that say, I didn't know I had to pay them. Now what? Because listen, we all as realtors have to prove our value, right? You have to feel I have value to pay me as a buyer's agent. And right. I think the funny thing is a lot of people will say, I found my own house. There's Zillow and Realtor and MyMLS and whatever, homes.com. There's a hundred portals, maybe more. And I found the house myself. Good for you, David. That is not why I'm here. The days of me finding you the home ended 28 years ago when we had the real estate book. When I started, we had a book and you weren't supposed yeah. to share the book, but everybody did. And so I'd lend you my book and say, don't tell anyone. And you'd circle the houses you wanted to see. And I'd go show them to you. I had the book. I haven't had the book for years. So my value is how I get you through this market and the contingencies and my relationships with the lenders and the home mm -hmm. inspectors and how I'm going to represent you either forward in your purchase or get you out of it if you need to get out. It's yeah. the best, the <clears throat> best pricing as possible, the contingencies that will work. And frankly, in our past couple year market, I've got to get you competing against eight other people in the house that you want. 
right? You're really raising a really good point because it's so true. I remember the MLS book. I remember that came out, was it weekly or something like that? It came out regularly. Here's the book. Let's see what's all new in there. It was a paperback version of Zillow and all the electronic forms, databases that we have to go look at now. So granted, it's online. It's a, it was a practice. I got it handed a book, just my realtor handed me a book when I wanted to go. We gave you the book. Yeah, and we looked at it and we circled the one. So this that's a really good point. So take us down this path because it is now it's less clear. There's more negotiation involved and really the sell side of the real estate transaction, the buyer agent side, now it's going to require a little more explaining to do, as they say. And I think, look, already there's unintended dual agency, right? Meaning the buyer calls the listing agent because we have the product. If I'm the listing agent, the product is the house. I am the name on the product, right? That's great. So that already we have a lot of buyers contacting us saying, I want to see this house. Forget the new legislature, just the way it works. We say, yes, we can show it to you. Are you represented by a buyer's agent? No, not yet. Are you going to want to have your own representation? Because I can't advise you on price or terms. Of course. And that's a company policy. The company that you work for next is NEX, right? NEST, like the bird. NEST. Okay. Okay. But let's say my company allowed it. So David, if I'm the listing agent, even if I write a contract and represent the buyer's agent, I cannot say, oh, they'll totally take this and you should do these inspections. Right. There's four paragraphs in the listing and as well as in the buyer agency agreement of the limitations of dual agency. Okay. So the problem is now, let's say we just get rid of, it goes away. Now we get rid of buyer agency compensation. So now we have unintended dual agency, right? Where a buyer still going to think they have their own representation, but don't really, they're going to have to sign an unrepresented buyer agreement. That's going to say, here's all the stuff I can't do for you. And they're going to go, no, I need that. So there's value there. Okay, so then let's say they need a buyer's agent. So I know you think I'm great. You really love me. So let's say you're going to buy a big (laughs) high roller. You're going to go buy a million dollar house. That's fantastic. So I'm going to sit down with you now and you're going to say, because you think I'm so great, you're going to, on top of whatever negotiation you have to do, pay me $30,000. How's that sound? Not good. That's a lot of money when the buyer is paying that out of pocket on top of paying a million dollars for a home. Correct. So walk us down that where that takes us. So here's the thing, right? So we have to figure out first, I think that this is where the lenders and realtors especially need to get together is we need to have Fannie and Freddie working on compensation to a buyer's agent being able to be rolled into the value of a home or appraised in. So whether that's Fannie Freddie appraisers, right now it happens magically, right? Like right now we don't come to you and say your house is worth 400. You have to pay 6%, 24,000. We're going to list it for 424. It's just part of the pack. The argument and several have made the argument, it's already been baked into the price. It's all along. So why would this be anything different? I think when you put things in a different context, Where's where things start changing when you, like you gave an example, million dollar home, which is very common these days. Hard to believe that a single family residence is worth a million dollars, but there were multiple millions of dollars in many markets. When you start putting a 3% commission into a million dollar home, all of a sudden you're talking $30,000. That's a whole different optics on was an accepted number before. So we have our first time home buyers as mm-hmm. well as, let's say, so our first time home buyers that, is, by the way, 
speaking of NAR reports, look at the demographics of the first time home buyer. Now they're like 36 years old, right? Yeah, and that's, they're that's... having to pay close to an 8% interest rate currently. And they've had to save up money. They have student loans and more debt. So it's harder. And then those first time home buyers that every cent they've got right now, sellers aren't paying closing costs generally. They, it's just not as simple. How are they going to pay that? So again, it would have to be rolled in, but even at that point, and then you think of the VA buyers, right? So yeah. they don't, and I'm not saying every other buyer does, but I think that's where the lending industry has to like re-support the real estate industry and say, hey, we're going to work with you on this and our clients, the buyers who want to have representation. I think it's a really good point. And while I can absolutely confirm, I've heard numerous rumors that there is, in fact, the National Association of Realtors is, in fact, meeting with Fannie and Freddie to find a way to that this rolled in the, the buy re, buy side representation rolled into the pricing because it effectively has been all along. And so yep. why would that be a problem is the argument. However, I think when you start looking at this, I think that is going to be a problem and we're going to start seeing more departure from the norm. And especially when you look at the cost of homes these days, you've done a lot of work and prep for this podcast. And thank you so much because when we talked to you, you're a student and you're enthusiastic about this. So take us a little bit further down your analysis of where this is going. So now everyone in theory is going to go directly to the listing agent, right? Correct. So, and, listing... and in, in our podcast that we did with Jessica Peterson, you went back and listened. She says, I'm being inundated by unrepresented buyers saying, I want to buy your listing. And unrepresented means they don't have a buyer agent there. She is now saying, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. Now that's a business choice. She's in Florida. Well, that's going to be required or her company requires it, but she just says, no, I'm not going to do it. I listed the property, go get an agent. There's many stances, right? And I think this is so new coming, right? So as we figure out what our stances are, frankly, we still have a lot to learn about. We haven't seen any of the structure. We've heard about settlements. We haven't seen any structural language yet. So quite frankly, we have to right. get ahead of this than we are. But how this actually plays out is going to be a one year, two year. It's going to be time. But so let's look at it as a listing agent. So if I'm a listing agent, I understand that now I'm going to have an influx of unrepresented buyers. So there's many choices I can have. I can do like Jessica says and says, go get your own agent. However, remember, it starts now with you, the seller. So I'm going to make you the seller again. But also think about this in the current market, which is a tough one, right? But for sellers friendlier than buyers, but again, changing throughout the country. But here's the point. So David, right now, for example, now your house is, let's say 400,000. Okay. So your house is 400,000. You up until two seconds ago, were very used to not excited about, but used to paying, let's just say 6%. Again, right. Have been five, yeah. it can be four and a half, whatever. We're going to yeah, use yeah, but let's, let's do six. Yep, got it. So you were used to that. Now, all of a sudden, you heard the news and you said, Oh, I don't have to pay buyer's agent anymore. I'm going to cut that in half. Okay, let's play this through. So, in this current market, so just this weekend, listed a house, right? There were 15 showings with 15 buyer's agents, were three offers in. Okay, those buyer's agents bring the buyer. You want the buyer. And so, right. Those buyer's agents are fighting to bring the buyer with the highest offer. So now here's my thought. So if we cut those buyer's agents out, yeah, the buyers can come to me, but now I'm also having to hire more people because I can't 15 times show your house and have a life. Right. Uh, but so now you're getting offers because the buyer's agents are crafting them with escalation clauses. So you're, so what is it? Cutting off our toes with spider foot, whatever the yeah, saying is. Yeah. Those buyer's agents are bringing you offers with escalation clauses. So your $400,000 house might sell for, let's say 425. Because the buyer's educated, the buyer's agent says, hey, you want to win? There's eight offers. you got to structure this with your home inspection. We've got to have your finance. We've got to be dialed in. We're competing. we got to win. This is how you win. 
So we're going to pay 35 over asking, whatever it is. The inspection is informational purposes. We can't ask the seller for anything. They can stay until their kids go to college, right? We're going to just make this work. <laughs> really? It's, okay. So now as the seller, you're getting, in, let's say in theory, 35 over asking, are you really mad that you paid the buyer's agent 12 when you made an extra, let's say 20? So right. In this current state, are you going to just cut the buyer's agent out or are you going to say, hey, I still want to get the highest and best offers. I'm going to leave my compensation in. You know what? I'm going to advise you right now, keep compensating that buyer's agent. I appreciate you don't have to, but we're getting multiple offers from buyer agents who are writing eight and 10 offers for their buyers because they keep losing. They're working really hard and they're motivated, beyond motivated to sell your home. So we want to take all that off the table. Do you though, right? Do you right now just want to cut the, hey, I don't have to pay the 12. Okay, you don't, but does it benefit you really in the end, in this today market? What has been no. happening the, the reality is there's such a lack of supply and there's such a demand for housing that we're in a market where if it was more supply and you really want to sell your home, you might be at risk of not selling your home for as much if you didn't. However, in this market, it's distinctly possible that you could, but that will be changing. So I think there's going to be somewhat market-driven, is it not? Yes, but also think about it. So yes, but then if the market shifts, so I will tell you what I think will happen. Yes, yes. tell me. This just me here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Let me just tell you in case you're in. Again, when she said in Florida, they're getting flooded with calls. We are not yet. So again, there'll be a lag. It might be crazier in Las Vegas, take longer to get to Charlottesville. If I'm meeting with you in this, in fact, is what happens, which is the train we're on. So right. I'm going to be saying, David, you do not have to pay a buyer's agent. You don't, right? Here's to me what I see in the value of the buyer's agent. Here's why I frankly selling my house would pay a buyer's agent in this current market. Again, yeah. it'll shift as it shifts. Now right. you can pay them 3%, you can pay them 2%, right. you can pay them $2,500. Here's what I'm going to advise. Let's do a net sheet and why I would tell you based on the offers we're seeing today. Okay. And David, here's the thing. Now let's say we've shifted a little more and I say a lot of times now they're coming to me, the listing agent, and they're going to want me to do that whole job, which let's face it again, finding the house, there it is, but we have to get them pre-approved, make sure they do inspections, set them up with the attorney. That I'm not going to do for $0. I can't. Right. It's a that doesn't make sense. So if you're going to pay me, we have to talk about what that compensation additionally will be for me if I have to do both sides. Very good. So there could be a whole lot to do about nothing is really what this could boil down with. I think it's not nothing. Here's what I see as well. So as you and I are doing a lot of research on this, I'll give Nest a lot of credit for months. We've been talking about it. We had a company meeting about it. Here's what's coming. I go and speak just like you do. And I'm shocked at the amount of realtors that don't know anything don't about have it. a clue that this is coming at them. So literally, oh, that'll never happen. Quite frankly. Yeah. Like when the, the meteor was coming toward the dinosaurs and they were like, yep. nope, never, not going to worry about that. So it's, this is our meteor and we can't be the dinosaurs. So to me, it's first, they got to be aware of it. It's shocking. And then the just absolute faith that they're going to pay me 3%. I'm good. And I'm like, ah. Okay. I, so if I'm good. I believe you are good, but right. the reality yeah. is when you're paying another 30,000 on a million dollar home, are you that good? Yeah, exactly. Long, so, yeah. They're going to do the math. They're going to say, but Marjorie, I've been working with you. They add up a good um, CFO type person was real good at numbers going to say, Marjorie, I calculated we've spent maybe 20 hours together. If I divide 20 hours into $30,000, that's an hourly rate. That's up there with some of the most successful heart surgeons in the world. Yeah. So let's think about that. There's many things. One, we have to be very clear as realtors what our value is. What are we tangibly doing for you? Because right. again, 
if I hear one more person say, I found the house myself, that's the big thing. I already found the house. Awesome. And then someone else just says, we're a key. What that equates is a buyer's agent is a key, just like a listing agent is a sign in the yard, right? All they did was put a sign in the yard. So again, it's okay. No, that's not the case. But we have to demonstrate and mm -hmm. step up what we offer. And we can't just not be top notch. So the reality is we've already seen nationally, I think through this downturn, about 50% of lenders go, about 40% of realtors go. That will continue. So the realtors that don't really evolve skill sets. And if I can't sit with you and really explain to you the value of me as a listing agent, and quite frankly, the true value of a buyer's agent and why you should compensate them at least something, right? That's a problem because now that doesn't mean I'm going to try to convert the unconvertible. If you are for sale by owner and you would sooner run over your child than pay a realtor, then <laughs> I'm here to convince you. But I think we have to think about that. And look, price is what you're willing to pay. Value is what you get, right? And if we can't yep. demonstrate value, then I think that's going to be the number one thing. But the truth is things are going to change, right? Think about big teams. Think about big teams that have 18 buyers agents that buy leads through portals like Zillow, right? So that mm -hmm. will change because the buyers will come to the listing agents in theory, in that case, more than ever. So there's going to be changes, right? Like listing agents, teams will not disappear, but I think will change, right? I think teams will become listing agent teams. There will be many more buyers agents can still be there figuring out compensation. But think if we're now showing our own listing 18 times a weekend, and that has to be staffed, right? right. And the sellers have to understand as well, what this does to the marketplace, right? And I think it's going to be game-changing in whatever way. I think it's certainly like people are freaking out. It's the end of the world, just like we did when everything right. changed, right? As soon as Zillow came in and iBuyers came in, everyone was like, oh, you're done. And it's no, no. our value isn't just a key or a sign. It's really a good point. Marjorie, the largest group of our listeners are lenders, whether they be loan officers, business owners, they're all involved in the lending side of the business. What would you be advising them to be doing differently as they look at the changes that are happening? Listen, I think if you're a lender that's paying attention and you have your top realtors and you should, I think any lender has their database and then they have their realtors that support them, quite frankly, and that they are in relationship with. I think if those realtors are not aware of what's happening as a lender first, it's sharing that awareness. I can't imagine it, but it's clearly true. So if you're my realtor, David, and I'm a lender, I'd be reaching out to you, especially my pool of buyer agents, let's say, and say, hey, let's get together. Have you paid attention to all of these settlements and this litigation with com compensation? And unfortunately, a lot of them are going to say no. And I'm going to say, listen, I'm going to sit down with you and go over that this is a game changer that you need to be aware of and preparing for based on how you support your family, quite frankly. So first is educate and make sure it's clear. Okay, so that's what you can do. Secondly, I think if you're a lender strategically, you better be making relationships with some listing agents. Because yes, if you've right. only worked with the buyer agents and this shift happens, which it's going to happen in some way. You've yeah. got to have really strong relationships with the listing agents if that's where the buyers are going to go. So the ones that have paid no attention because they think they don't have any buyers, guess what? We're going to have way more buyers now. So third, I think, is really helping educate buyers on the value of working with and paying a realtor. If I have this great relationship and I'm your realtor, if I send a buyer to you, 
I need you to bolster. Truthfully, I don't want you to blow smoke. Nothing is rainbows and unicorns and everything else. But I need you to say, listen, the value of working with Marjorie is in this market, she can help negotiate and construct an offer. She's going to be there to advise you whether you should move forward or not. She is your voice and your representation. It's worth every penny. So while you're tempted to cut her out, she is a huge part of this transaction that you need. Do not just cut out that representation. Some of the buyers are going to say, but you're my lender. What do you do? Aren't lenders going to start feeling pressure to start taking on some of those responsibilities? Look, I can do 3% and 6% and any percent. I'm a percentage genius. All the other lender stuff, like the numbers, I know enough just to be dangerous. So that to me would be like you just saying, I should go in and with the heads of Alcova and I'll just start helping them because it's going to go great. You guys know enough on your end for your side, but just enough on our end to be dangerous, right? I think already we work together, but we have our lanes, right? You don't know how an inspection process goes. You don't know what to negotiate in and out. You don't know the correct things to put in a contract necessarily that aren't the math that helps a buyer. So frankly, then you're starting to be an agent. You're not a licensed realtor. You are a lender. There's all kinds of compliance issues too that go into this thing that I believe that if you start stepping off into that territory, you're opening up a Pandora's box. Again, I think there are those that are contemplating where are the opportunities? And I think an honest analysis of that so that you can stand whatever position you take, you have a reasonable argument say, yeah, we consider that and we chose not to do that for this reason. It sounds like what's emerging here is if, this is actually could strengthen the relationship between the, l- the lender and the buyer's agents because the lenders could be helping them in a much bigger way, help craft their message to the buyer and the oh, partnership. One unintended consequence. So let's say now buyers don't think they need realtors, but some don't anyway. So many of my clients come to me first and I refer them to my lender. Right. So if now that part gets cut out, So now they're coming, let's say, directly to you, the lender. You as the lender have an opportunity, actually, with these buyer agents to say, you got to work with Marjorie, right? Like, I'm going to send you. I appreciate you don't think you need a realtor. Here's why I think you do. Meet with her and see, right? So I do think where right now it's much more rare that the lender can refer to the realtor because, quite frankly, often the realtor those clients come from us. You can't cross refer them out or you'll never get a lead again. But now if they're coming to you before me, there is an opportunity to help those buyer's agents. But I do think, look, I think the lender realtor relationship's always been important. I think that those lenders, I bet you, if you pulled all the really high producing successful lenders, they have very strong long-term and shorter term, but realtor relationships that they have- This group of realtors that has really been the bulk of their business. They didn't just rely on the refis, which bye-bye, they're gone right now, right? So those that are still thriving were not just refi lenders. Very good point. You're raising some really good points. It's causing my shift. I was seeing this somewhat as an entrepreneur. Where are the opportunities? Where can the lender get involved in? I think that when this all settles out, it's going to be back to a really strong relationship between the lender and the buyer agent. And that it actually grows stronger and a greater bond form there. And what we are seeing is more and more first-time home buyers going to Zillow, going out and searching and doing their financing research ahead of time. So there is very distinctly possible. In fact, I know some lenders right now, I'm thinking of a particular one that's a good friend of mine. He generates all the leads and brings them to the realtors right now. 
He is brilliant at generating leads and getting the relationship going. And that's how he's developed his business to this point. It's actually possibly going to be not that he's going to go in and try to have them all come to work for him inside the lending shop. It's going to be, let's continue to build this relationship. We're going to help you on this journey to maintain your career as it has been. And I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a really, I think you raise up at a million dollar home. You start looking at a 30,000 commission. There's going to be some splaining to do, as they say here in Texas, you got some splaining to do. How am I going to pay you $30,000 for this many hours of work and that type of thing? So we've got to be thinking about this very intentionally. You've been delightful to have. I love your energy and you'd help us frame things up in a way that's just so good to provide tips to the realtors. How should the lenders, how should they be? thinking about this. At the very least, they need to start getting a hold of their real estate agents. We've already heard you say that. And they should start communicating, helping them establish their value in their own eyes, which seems surprising to me that they don't see it. But I have to tell you, I'm not sure that many realtors really can articulate their value. It's been a coupon clipping kind of opportunity way too long. And now they're going to have to get out. The work that they're going to have to do is sell themselves and their value. And that's going to cause for some to go out of the business because they're not going to be successful in doing that. But if I have a lender that can help them achieve that, we're going to be able to keep more in the game and play a bigger role in that preservation of what has been to a degree. Yeah, I think for the lenders, look, I always think it's been, how can you help the realtor with their business? Because mm -hmm. I will say lenders in general, not all y'all, because I've gotten to coach with some lenders too, and whoop, some of you, not <laughs> as good on the profit and loss as others, but I think realtors as in general, right? So we got into real estate because the funniest reasons, right? Like we got to control our own hours. How'd that work out? Not so well. And we just didn't want a boss and we wanted this freedom. But the business end is a struggle and it always has been. So I think first right now, are they doing profit and loss? I think lenders have so much to contribute in general to right now. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of change in the market. So we can go as basic as how are they doing financially? Are they paying attention? Things a lot of realtors haven't paid their taxes, right? So help on that and if they're willing to do it. But on this end, it's like, how are they evolving to prove their value? If it's still up, I'm going to take pictures. So will an iPhone, right? So will anybody. So it's what is the value? What are they providing to sellers and buyers that makes them stand apart from the competition? And so they've really got to be working with them and saying, hey, if I mock interviewed you, why should I pay you? And I think the problem is a lot of why I think compensations get cut is because a realtor can't defend their commission. I think that they fold. It's like this fear. So if you and I interviewed and you said, yep. hey, Marjorie, how much do you charge? In fear, it's, well, how much? The other guy said they do it for $5. All right, I'll do it for $4.99. There's just this inability to say that's fine. So if you come to me, I'm going to say that's great. And so one of the biggest things you told me that was important to you is my ability to negotiate. And if I'm willing to do this job for $4.99... I have no ability to negotiate for you because I folded within four minutes of you asking the most important question, which is how much are you paid? So I think We're there's got to be this ability to say, you're hiring me. We had this interview. You're hiring me for these things. These are what was most important to you. This is what I offer. This is what I do above and beyond any other realtor. They've got to figure that out. Can't be photos. It can't be putting you in MLS. It's not the sign in the yard, right? It's not that I'll put you on Zillow. That's gone. What is it that matters and has value to sellers and conversely to buyers? And they've got to be figuring that out, right? So what is it hit pain points? What is it that makes you stand out? So if a lender could sit and say, Hey, I've talked to my office, right? So if you go around to the fellow lenders and say, what would blow you away that your buyer's agent 
or listing agent would do? What would really make you go, I can't, how could I not work with them? That's what we have to be thinking of. And unfortunately, too many realtors are in fear, head in the sand. And so thinking of adding is not in the mindset. And I'm thinking, look, I'm going big, right? It's we're going to do more and more for our clients. We have to give more service and also offer benefits that are a direct cost that you say, great, you do that. I got to work with you. Very good. Margie, going to encourage our listeners to start listening to your podcast. I love your energy. You've got so much wisdom and you're sharing some perspective we need to hear more of. And we've run out of time, but let's again, talk about your podcast. Give us a little bit about who are you interviewing on your podcast and what is the purpose of your podcast? So Real Estate Unscripted, we started, Bobby and the guys at Alcova said, hey, we need to do a podcast that delivers positive yet real, not positive blow smoke messaging that really takes realtors and lenders and says, okay, these are things you need to be paying attention to. So I'm interviewing some great friends of mine that are top realtors across the country, some great friends of mine, unfortunately, they're great lenders across the country, as well as underwriters and appraisers, home inspectors, right. all of the entities that we all need to be very clear on what's happening, market updates, what's really happening, how do we talk to our clients, how do we stay positive and keep working through this market. And so I have a great time. I get to interview the best people and I'd have hundreds of pages of notes that I implement from what I learned. So to me, it's look, if you're a lender or a realtor or anyone that's interested in the real estate lending world, you will learn things from great people that I get to talk to. That's outstanding. Again, where can they find your podcast and all the podcast channel platforms or where are you at? So it's called Real Estate Unscripted. You'll see my little face in the little house and Apple, Spotify, all the podcasts. If you just type it in the Google bar, it will pop up or you can just do a search and you can listen. We're about 55 episodes in. I'm really excited Good. about that. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm right. That recommendation some time ago to Bobby, Rob, and, and Bill, and they bid it. And they said, we think we've got just the person to do it. And boy, did they nail it. I love your energy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Marjorie. I appreciate you. And how can people reach you if they're saying, Hey, I want to interview you as well. I passed or want to get some help and some perspective. How can they reach you? What's the best way? So if you go Marjorie at Marjorie Adam, A-D-A-M team.com, and you can put it in the show notes, Google Marjorie Adam Realtor in Charlottesville. I promise I will pop up. <laughs> Good. And you will bring so much when you do. Thank you so much, Marjorie, for sharing this with us today. Enjoy our conversations every time. It's I've been a guest on your podcast and I'm yes. now thrilled to have you as a guest on mine. Thank you so much. Great content. Thank you. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 40508, org. Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.